The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. We're very excited about uh, sharing with you some of the most profound but yet simple truths that are available from the Word of God. Restabach Run. <laughs> Restabachery and Run. That's our new message. Restabachery and Run. Oh, boy. Okay, we need to restart this again. Rest, abide, and run. That's my philosophy. But it doesn't happen to be the philosophy of the Lord. Of course, he doesn't really have philosophies, but, you know, it's rest, abide, walk. I do have the tendency to catch the things of the Lord and embrace them quickly and start running. The walking process is where all the intimacy is with Christ. So you're resting in the relationship and you're abiding, which means the fluid's coming. In a vineyard and looking at the vine plant in particular, the flow of life goes through the vine goes into the branches and it starts producing fruit and then they give the fruit away and you know the system. That comes as a result of the branches resting. They're not trying to get away from the, from the vine. They're resting. They're abiding. They're receiving the life juices so that they can be the fruit bearers. When I look at at a vineyard, I don't see the branches. My main thing that I see is the vine. Now, some branches are healthy, some branches are not so healthy, and so there's pruning that is needed. And if it's not bearing fruit, I hate to say, the illustration is used five times in the Word of God, they simply cut it off. So is that connected to a salvation proclamation? I believe it is. And so there are some who believe, no, that's just areas of your life that are getting pruned. Well, that could be true too. That covers all of the allowances and stuff that God uses to bring this person to resting in Christ, to enjoy the abiding so that you become the one bearing fruit so it can be given away to the market. It isn't about you as a branch. We literally could be cut off and another one would replace us so quickly it's ridiculous. So it isn't about us, it is about staying still and let the fruit come. So the farmer can come by, the vine dresser can come by and do his thing. So now we need to take a look at some of the details very quickly here in regard to 
what does resting look like, what does abiding look like, and certainly what does walking look like. But these are a result of appropriating this true forgiveness we just talked about. If you think that you can rest in Christ and go out there and write a book about it or an article about it or send an email to a friend about it or whatever it is that you're doing, try to sell them on the idea that you truly understand resting in Christ when you have personal information on the fact that there's a host of people they have to go to yet. Not buying it. That's not resting and abiding and walking in the spirit or the vine juice of life. That is not what that is. It is, I'm going to show you the best puppet show you have ever seen. So when you push it, test it, push it, test it, the puppet show turns into a nightmare. Revenge, hatred, nasty things being said, all because... It is not bearing the fruit of true forgiveness. People like to jump over the forgiveness chapter. Go right to resting. And think they'll get it too. Doesn't work that way. It is a result of appropriating true forgiveness in all areas of life. It is living in the present, releasing the life of Christ in you to be obedient to the Father through your mind, your will, in your emotions. When an indwelt believer gets to this point in growth, he is able to confront the self-centered view. I know what that looks like. To confront the self-centered view of life and embrace the challenge of releasing the mind of Christ within you, his worldview. Resting in Christ is a perfect place to be and showing the love Life of Jesus Christ. So here becomes our purpose in this whole thing. This is very important that we get this before we'll understand the love life thing. And that is individual Christians should have a position, passion, and desire, because of their position, a desire to come when they are in the weary, when they're weary and heavy laden. If we're thinking that he's going to go chasing us, here's how this works. What we show in that Godship circle with parents is we draw the boundary lines of the will of God and we translate that over into parenting. They draw the boundary lines of the will of the parents. You save the child, as long as you stay in this circle, you're going to rest and feel secure in our relationship. You step outside those boundary lines, you're going to experience unrest and destruction. Now you need to know something, son. I will never pass over that line to save you, ever. I will not sin to save you. When Jesus made his proclamation of staying, I will live within the boundary lines of my Father, he won't run after an unsaved person to save them. They shall go to hell. Because Jesus has not been granted any permission 
to step outside the boundary lines and get into the sin world to go try to reach and save someone. That's the error that parents make with their children. They get angry, they get resentful, they get mouthy, they get, they're way outside the boundary line. Grabbing a child, setting them down, and it, it's just, everything's out of control. It's chaos. Why? Because the parent's out there. So there's a way of handling children that you don't have to leave the boundary lines of the will of God. To stay in the rest. The rest is in the circle. That's what I wanted you to see. It connects us back to Godship. Resting is in the circle. Here's an upfront, close and personal view of rest. When Jesus looks out at the person several feet or several hundred miles away from the boundary lines of the will of God, when he speaks, it can be heard anywhere. So he just says, Are you weary? Son? Doesn't have to get hostile, doesn't have to yell, doesn't have to do the parental threat. He just asks a simple question he already has the answer to. He wants the child, me, to admit to the fact, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm weary and heavy laden, whatever that means. That's the junk in my trunk. I don't know. It's, I'm feeling that. So once the confession comes out, he can go to work. So in this process, come unto him, embrace him, learn from him. He is meek, he is lowly. He's not this threatening figure, but he's very firm and he won't sin to reach you. He will not sin to reach you. It's going to let you go. And that explains the full worldview of salvation for Jesus Christ. He's going to let you go to hell for eternity. You're the one that's running away from the boundary lines of the will of God, not him. And if you want him to sin, to go get you, what kind of savior is that? He's waiting for you to get weary and heavy laden and come to him. Say, could you get me in that circle? What do I got to do to go through to get inside that circle? I want in there too. (laughs) You are eager. Yeah. And you get saved. Now you're in rest. So it starts with the weary. Secondly, it moves to a call. Third, it moves to an acceptance. The next diagram of rest, we have this Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, where if there's any mandate, if there's anything we're supposed to be laboring in, we're supposed to be laboring to rest. That's what the verse says. We're not to labor anywhere else, but we are to labor to rest. So there's some examples in that passage of what that really looks like to labor and to rest. But he's saying to us, this is so important 
that you begin to experience the rest because without the rest, you're not going to be able to release Christ. If you are anxious and restless about absolutely anything at all, there's no release of Jesus going on inside you. There's no release. They don't go together. He's waiting. You're out there already. You are whacked out. He's waiting for you to get weary and burdensome and run back to the circle and get things right between you and your husband if you're already indwelled. He's waiting. And this process of waiting, which he can do for generations, as he is doing right now with Israel. It's like coddling or coddling your your child and they're slapping you and cursing you and spitting on you and you're just kind of, you know, like this. How stupid is that? Let them pitch their fit. Get her done. Resting comes after this point of transformation where you go, I'm done with me today. I know we'll do it again tomorrow, but you know, Lord, today I'm, I'm done. You're standing right there on the edge of the circle, been outside of your boundary lines, you know, whatever. And he restores you, restores your soul. Yeah, tomorrow's another day. Resting equals releasing. So if anyone's throwing out anxiety and worries and doubts and confusions and fears and whatever, they're confessing to you, I'm not in the circle. I'm not living within the boundary lines of the will of God. And if you're a believer that is of the belief that God cut his sheep loose to wander the mountains and wander the pastures and wander anywhere they want to go without a shepherd because they're freelancing it. I don't serve a God who lets his children wander into the enemy's territory and does nothing because he wants his sheep to be freelancers. I don't want to serve a God that is so passive that they're being eaten out there by wolves and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I I don't want it. What I do want is a blessed Savior, a shepherd, who allows enough freedom within a given space, that's the ring, under the guidance and boundary lines of what his father who he answers to as a shepherd. And then when they're right there on the edge, there's nothing wrong with the shepherd getting up off his rock and going right up to the edge of the line. And you appeal to that that sheep, don't do it. Choose, yes, I will obey the shepherd. I'm bad. I'm leaving anyway. I don't like you. I hate you. And they take off. You know, let him go. But he tried to reach him. There's no other way to explain salvation. 
and the loss of it. There's no other way. Either God's really irresponsible, these millennials are right, or there's some kind of organized system going on here that we don't understand. And I think it's coming to me, all of you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then abiding is what we were talking about earlier in regard to the branch attached to the vine. It's staying still and absorbing the nutrients that are within that vine. Of course, Jesus being that vine for us, and we are the branches that are going to be provide a resource for the bearing of the fruit. If we're wiggling and constantly detaching from that process, it's going to ultimately end up in a disaster that could mean we need to be pruned. We need to be still, rest, not anxious for anything. We need to abide and just stay hooked and draw the life that's coming through the vine, Jesus, into us, and that sap is the Holy Spirit. It's explaining to us indwelt Christianity is what this is doing. The abiding process equals releasing Christ in you. See, the abiding life, the branch that is abiding is going to release the life fluid inside the vine, which will result in bearing fruit. So, you shall know them by their fruit. That's become a very, very critical piece. In Christendom. And then the walking. Walking equals releasing the spirit. I'm sure I think there's times that running was appropriate. When you saw the lamb running pretty fast through the circle. And you wanted to get to them before they took off and went over the, the line so to speak. But there's no running in respects of anxiousness outside. If you remember when you take something good and run it outside the boundary lines of the will of God, you have sin. And Jesus himself never had that. That's why I trust him, honestly. So this list that's underneath walking in and after the Spirit become pretty important. So you have here, when we walk after and in the Spirit, the sap, it's possible to sin. When that happens, we have to be refocused. The flesh opposes the Spirit, so you constantly have that to deal with. The Spirit opposes the flesh, So it's a sword-on-sword fight that's going on in you right now. You see, your flesh is constantly hollering out, liar, liar, pants on fire, that doesn't work for me, that's a lie, that's that's what your flesh does. The Holy Spirit's going, yes, right on, that's awesome, this is it, we got to move forward, we got to... You see, there's all confirmation of the yes, but they war against each other, there's a fight. You cannot fulfill the desires of your flesh while walking by 
and in the Spirit. Well, it works the other way too. You cannot fulfill the desires of the Holy Spirit if you're walking after the flesh. That should be a duh to us. So the sap is the life juice of the Spirit, the life of Christ. The sap is the life juice that literally the Father uses to produce growth in our life, changes. The human body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, is used for the production of the fruit of the Spirit. The vine dresser, of course, is the Father. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. It fulfills the triune of God. I'm going to say that again because it's a closing thought. We are of the triune of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are the bride of Christ. So when things are unified, you want to know why we're seated at the right hand of God? And you think all the other heavenly hosts are there too? They are not there. We are there because we are the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So when that unity comes together at the throne, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's living inside us, we are there in the most intimate place of eternity that even the host of heaven don't get. You don't think you're not special for being selected? To be in the triune function of the living God of the universe and beyond? Universe means solar systems. There's none of that going on in heaven. We don't need it. Heaven will light itself. So he's beyond the universe. All from this? We must have this. We must have it. I had a tapestry that an old friend gave me, Jane. I think it was as a wedding gift. And it was Jesus and the sheep. There was one little one and Jesus was holding Later on, years later, I realized that there's a principle in shepherding that a rebellious lamb that's constantly running to the edge needs to have their little leg broken. And then the shepherd takes it and resets the bone and wraps it up and puts that little sheep around his neck. Forced bonding. And when that leg is healed... And that little sheep is put back on the ground to walk. It never leads to sight of the shepherd. I'm like, how cool is that? Bring on the rejection. I don't like to say that very loud, though. <laughs> Most of us live in the past or the future. Very few of us live in the present. Anxiety or any of the symptoms that are connected with not resting is evident you're living in the past or in the future. Because if you were living in the present, 
you would understand very quickly what you do on those days where you're living in the present is that, hey, I can't do anything about tomorrow. I'm going to stay focused on what I was asked to do today. Well, I can't do anything about the past because Satan's the god of the past. So I'm not going back there and mess around because if I go back there and mess around, I'm going to commit Satan's second greatest sin and that is to call forth sin. I think I need to learn how to live in the present. Anxiety comes from a confession of living in the future. And grief and worrying and all those kinds of grievous relational things come from the past. If you got stuff going on here and you know it's starting to happen in the future again, they come together and you get oppressed in the present. So where are you living? Well, I, I can't decide that. That has to be talked about and dealt with between you and the Lord. So now we have two world views here in this diagram. You got this guy looking through circumstances and feelings and then seeing God. And that's where the fake Jesuses get multiplied. My Jesus said this. Oh, could you like show me in the word where he said that? It's brand new. It's not in there. Now, if you try to front the person with, hey, if your Jesus didn't have that theology in the Bible, I'm just not buying it. Well, so be it. See, I never can talk to you. It goes sour from there. That is looking through problems and circumstances and then looking at God. Why don't ever God sends people to hell? This person said, I don't believe in the absolute word of God anymore. Men wrote this book. This is someone very dear to me. Well, I don't believe that anymore. And I don't believe that anymore. Well, that's what's happening. Their worldview is through what they're seeing or feeling. The answer is, of course, your worldview goes directly through God's view, Christ in you. First, that's a Christ as life worldview. And from a Christ as life worldview, you're going to look at problems completely different. You'll look at all these teachings completely different. Here's our bottom line. Resting, abiding, walking are the results of appropriating true forgiveness in all areas of life. It is the living in the present, releasing the life of Christ in you to be obedient to the Father, His Daddy, through your mind, will, and emotions. And when an indwell believer gets to the point in his growth, he's able to confront the self-centered view of life and to embrace the challenge of releasing the mind of Christ within. And resting in Christ is a perfect place in showing the, the love life of Jesus Christ, which is our next message. If you are still struggling with anxiety, 
worries, doubts, and fears, I would really encourage you to just stop. I wouldn't even go to bed tonight till you do this. And you just get on your knees before the Lord and you say, you know, Lord, I'm not doing a blow-by on this stuff that I invested your time of a whole day to try to get what you are saying about this. So Lord, before I sleep tonight, reveal to me exactly how you want me to take action. And then let it go. You don't have to be on your face before God say, Oh, I've double-check my salvation, Lord. I'm kind of feeling condemnation. You know, really? If you're being led to salvation, just cry out and say, I'm a wretched sinner and I'm on my way to hell and I, this has just got to stop right now. You know? It's just get honest with Him. But I'm talking about you take this and put it before the Lord and say, Show me! Please, the actions that must be taken for this. It could be the less. It could be over back in Godship. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. Please do not go away from this conference. Wow, I was tired most of the day. What about you, honey? The hell I encountered getting here today. I have no words to explain to you. The agonizing I go through in parting these messages to you, I can't even explain it to you. The unmovable, this will be done. Nothing is going to stop me today, God. Nothing will stop me of delivering your message. No computer no mouse, no glitch. Nothing's going to stop this. You said it has to be done. It's being done, and it must be done by you. Now I'm asking you, what are you supposed to do? Is it just another experience you're going through, a box to check? I don't know. But, you know, God loves answering his children. He really does. Just ask him. Maybe you're supposed to teach a Bible study. I don't know. But please, don't become fat. Ask, and you shall receive. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.